Welcome to S2 Underground, a freelance intelligence agency fighting terrorism, fake news, and political tyranny around the world. I'm the trouble star, punkin' instigator. Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to the Underground. Uh, so today we're going to take a look at a, a sort of uh, yet another uh, controversial topic of ours, uh, but it's a topic that we feel needs to be uh, talked about now. Um, so today we're going to be taking a look at the different sort of factions or social groups, or perhaps faction is too strong of a word in some cases for some of these groups, but uh, basically we're going to be laying out a lot of the key players and, and power groups within the United States right now. Now, we're not going to uh, cover all of the uh, groups that we have found and uh, all of the groups that we're monitoring and, and interacting with and, and tracking and things like that, uh, but we are going to talk about some of the major players. Uh, this is one of those uh, videos, and for our podcast listeners, this is one of our episodes that um, uh, is more about uh, speed rather than quality. So uh, we're not going to be able to talk about all the groups, just the major players and sort of what we think about them. Now, obviously, that being said, our usual disclaimer is that this is going to um, uh, be kind of an inflammatory topic, uh, right? So uh, a lot of people are probably going to be either offended or... Um, uh, disagree with this in some way, and that's perfectly fine. You know, uh, we're not in the business of, of keeping you know feelings uh, un, unaltered because you know honestly, yeah, a lot of this stuff is is not pleasant to talk about. Uh, and when it comes to disagreeing with us, that's perfectly fine too. We we actively encourage that. Um, it's just that we're trying to give a good broad overview for the people who have, uh, for lack of a better term, sort of had their heads in the sand over the past year and haven't seen these groups come to power and so suddenly when they read an article of you know with these you know people in it or or, or these groups that are that are mentioned then they're like oh well what is this group or you know what are they um, that's what we're hoping to ta tackle today so we're going to be talking about uh, groups that are uh, powerful in the United States and we're going to do it as objectively as we can um, so moving on to our first one probably the most uh, controversial one. So uh, the first group we're going to talk about is Antifa or the Anti-Fascist Coalition or Anti-Fascist Action Group or uh, the, it, their, their name changes based on you know who's, uh, who's talking about them. But um, their main goal that they claim is anti-fascism. However, we and most other people that have seen Antifa at work have seen that they're very pro-fascist. Uh, in, in their actions. Um, they're also uh, very, very uh, prone to using violence. As, as we all know, you know, Antifa, it, this is one kind of a, a, a radical group to be sure, but um, their views are very um, uh, violence-oriented. Even if they don't have a, a specific goal, a lot of times, especially in Portland and the Pacific Northwest, where they sort of got their start, um, they'll just resort to violence for violence's sake, uh, you know. Um, they claim that their goal is anarchy, and you know, as a side note, we know that what Antifa is doing—you know, burning things down, destroying a city—your sort of Mad Max anarchy definition is not the true definition of anarchy. We know this, but for all intents and purposes, when normal people hear the word anarchy, they think of Mad Max. So that's sort of what we're going to define it as for the duration of this video and how we kind of how we kind of treat that. 
Um, but yeah, Antifa is definitely pro-anarchy um, for for a lot of their actions. Um, they're also uh, there a lot of um, uh, actors within their organization are uh, very pro-genocide when it comes to um, statements they make. So we'll see a lot of times on Twitter when we're following these these riots going on. Uh, we'll see, you know, them pro-genocide of a certain group, like, you know, kill all capitalists or kill all, you know, uh, people that are anti-us, essentially, right? So they're very much a pro-genocide agency, even though they don't, they haven't really had the resources, capabilities, or tactical skills to make this happen. Um, so the uh, movements that they're affiliated with are, you know, of course, the uh, BLM, the Black Lives Matter movement, along with uh, socialism and communism. Those two uh, latter political ideologies and economic ideologies, they are heavily rooted in Antifa. They are very much a, a communist uh, uh, agency. If you're looking at them on the political compass, which, by the way, we don't really think is accurate anymore uh, for describing the events of 2020, but... Uh, Antifa definitely falls into the political left, um, the, the militant left. Um, so uh, that's sort of where they're aligned and, and the groups that they're, the camp that they're in, you know. Um, and just sort of reading off the slide here for our, our, for our uh, podcast listeners, you know, uh, Antifa is definitely a long-standing agency, but they're also loosely organized. Um, they're a collective of individuals that, you know, allegedly, you know, like I said, try to combat fascism, but they try to do it violently. Um, you know, most Antifa members align with some sort of extreme liberalism on, you know, the political compass, like we just said, but uh, a lot of times we'll see more casual followers be more center-left-leaning, and those people are like uh, professors, college professors, politicians, you know, will will be sympathetic towards Antifa means, but only because they're in this, they're they're similar ideology, not because of their actions, right? Um, so most of Antifa's actions now um, have tended to target conservative political enemies, or most importantly, capitalist uh, political enemies. Um, However, as recent as 2018, some Antifa elements have begun deeming political moderates as enemies and therefore prone to violent attack. So yeah, that's something we've seen recently. Um, Antifa has, has declared, it, basically, if you're not with us, you're against us. And, um, but some of their ideology is very confusing, um, such as you know, Antifa has been known to spray paint the words, liberals get the bullet too. Uh, during violent riots and violent actions, which sort of shows how unique of an agency they are, uh, sort of an entity. They're they're extreme, extremely liberal, uh, comprised of members that are extremely liberal, but they also say that liberals get the bullet too, perhaps implying that liberals, traditional liberals, are not liberal enough, right? And you know, so Antifa is kind of a, definitely a very, uh, very unique organization. So moving on to the physical description, uh, this is just for people to help people kind of identify, you know, what these groups look like. And fortunately, for the most part, most of these groups do have some sort of rudimentary uniform, such as Antifa here. Um, Antifa members can readily be identified by um, black block clothing. Um, they usually wear all black. Um, you'll see a lot of times red bandanas covering their faces. Uh, you know, Antifa signature uh, signals and um, uh, insignia, flags, uh, the anarchy uh, symbol, you know, Guy Fawkes masks, um, as well as really 
numerous like counterculture symbols uh, such as you know tight fitting you know skinny jeans are definitely a huge thing with Antifa and that's not to to insult them it's just that they it, you'll see in the in the image here in a second it's definitely a factor when it comes to to uh, a lot of um, Antifa things as well as non-traditional sort of body piercings and sort of alterations like you know ear gauges you know um, different kinds of piercings in different locations uh, facial tattoos things like that as well as unique you know hairstyles like your your, your very vibrant uh, colored uh, hair for your females and, and, and things like that um, yeah so let's look at an image here of what what normal like Antifa stuff looks like and as you can see it's you know very much black block clothing uh, not a whole lot of tactical gear um, usually it's all just all black clothing um, but you can definitely tell that this is there's a theme here with the, with the dress and the, and the attire that they use and um, uh, yeah, definitely. You can like, for instance, if you Google like Antifa mugshots, you'll pull up and you'll look and you'll be able to instantly tell. Even though you have no context as to what uh, a person was arrested for, you can you can look at an image and tell you, that person's Antifa. Which is weird because it would be a mugshot which doesn't have these uh, you know facial coverings or things like that. You can definitely tell a lineup of mugshots that's all Antifa members as opposed to some other political group. And so some of the more notable actions there there have been known to do, uh, mostly just riots. You know, the Berkeley University riots, they were also present in Charlottesville during that uh, that whole scandal, the Charlottesville riots in 2017. Um, they were also responsible for uh, doxing efforts against uh, ICE agents in 2018. Um, they also uh, were responsible for attacks against uh, Jewish population in uh, the Jewish population in New York City. Um, as part of some of the riots there, which was kind of weird. It was kind of a unique thing. They're not really an anti-Semitic group. However, some elements of them are. Um, they also attacked uh, people at the Dallas Children's Hospital in 2020. This is some more you know, recent stuff this year. They've, they've gotten more, definitely more um, violent. Uh, the Washington, D.C. riots, as well as the Chaz or CHOP uh, occupation of Seattle, which was earlier this year in 2020. And so basically our, our analysis is, you know, despite the fact that Antifa claims to be anti-fascist, they are in fact very, very supportive of fascism, uh, communism, socialism, all of which are technically on, on, on paper very different ideologies, um, but they definitely support them. Um, they are, even though these things are attributed to totalitarianism, Antifa is all for totalitarianism as long as the Antifa ideology is the totalitarian entity, right? Um, they are also known to organize information operations. So information operations is our, what we in the intel community, it's sort of a, a, soft, a soft code word for PSYOPs, right? We don't do PSYOPs anymore, we conduct information operations, right? And Antifa does these as well. Uh, they're usually quite effective um, because they'll put together posters, uh, videos, they'll doctor uh, documents and scan them, um, basically all in an effort to organize them against a political enemy. Um, yeah, so, you know, despite what Antifa leadership may say about their own entity, their true end goals, right, are purely destructive, right? There's, there's no cohesive pattern to the attacks, with the exception of targeting anyone or group who doesn't support them. But, you know, Antifa's violence is not a means to an end. Antifa, for Antifa, violence is the end, right? That is the end goal, right? So as a result of all of this, you know, we highly, highly recommend that um, 
for people to avoid Antifa actions, right? We assess with high confidence that Antifa or anyone who identifies with Antifa ideology is a very high threat to individual safety, right? So anytime you see Antifa, head the other way. There is no winning for them. Violence is their goal. Violence is their tool. So just keep that in mind. And sort of trying to keep this quick, we'll move along to the next group, which is Black Lives Matter, BLM. And this is one where we will get a lot of flack, I'm sure, and probably get a lot of attacks and, and things like that. Um, but their state of objectives vary widely, right? The BLM movement is a very extremely, uh, it's an extremely varied organization, right? Um, their stated objectives, depending on which cell and group it is, um, they, they broadly started with, a, group, with a, a message of equality, right? Equality for all. Right, but lately we've seen a lot of uh, black nationalism, black supremacy, and and um, uh, things like that come out of, of their official rhetoric. Right, not just some somebody on Twitter trying to troll. Um, it's been their official doctrine. Right, so uh, lately in 2020, um, they're also a heavy, heavy supporter of uh, the reparations movement. Right, so. Um, you know, continuing on with their observed objectives, they uh, also align with a sort of anarchy ideology, much like Antifa, but not quite so much. It seems like uh, from where we're sitting, you know, broadly speaking, BLM will use anarchy to get their end goal of black supremacy. Some groups, of course, um, but uh, other groups will not. So it's, it's extremely varied. You know, some groups, just like I have here on the slide, uh, some parts of BLM are 100% proponents of genocide against, you know, whites and, you know, other uh, non-African uh, American or non-African descendants. So, but other groups aren't. So it's a huge, huge varied uh, uh, thing. Um, so some of the affiliated movements with BLM are the NFAC, the Not Effing Around Coalition. Um, despite the fact that the BLM and NFAC say that they're not, they are staunch enemies, that's what they say, that's not true. They are definitely uh, affiliated with each other. However, the NFAC is far more radical. We'll talk about them in a second. Um, some of the more uh, older members of the group will remember the Black Panthers, and uh, the BLM is, is definitely bringing back some of the Black Panthers' uh, uh, tactics and ideology, even though the Black Panthers technically weren't quite what people remember them to be. And also BLM is very, very heavily intertwined with Antifa, mostly because they both, you know, BLM and Antifa use violence in their riots, right? Riots are their thing, right? Um, so the characterization of the BLM movement is extremely, extremely varied, right? You know, originally BLM was a large, uh, largely decentralized civil rights, you know, oriented agency, but you know, other, you know, but recently, you know, other peaceful protests have been organized with the purpose of rioting and destroying public infrastructure. So, you know, originally back, you know, a few years ago when, uh, really back in 2014 when the BLM movement started getting notoriety, most, almost all of their protests were peaceful. They were legitimately peaceful protests. However, the, in, the BLM infrastructure and entity and sort of organization has changed right now they are organizing peaceful protests that they're calling peaceful but they're telling people to bring things like bats bring eye protection bring uh, helmets br you know bring things that will help us destroy things but they're not outright saying it in a lot of places in a lot of places they are outright saying it 
Um, you know, some of the more radical elements of BLM are huge proponents of a sort of anti-white genocide um, and have frequently called for whites to be murdered in the street. And we're seeing that actually happen. Uh, Portland, uh, Washington, D.C., you know, um, uh, you know, Kenosha, we're, we're seeing uh, the, the, the flavor of sort of killing people based on their race uh, to be a, a definitely a, a part of BLM protests and riots, right? Um, most of the official BLM senior leadership are supporters of reparations for slavery, you know, monetary payments, right? Which they believe should take the form of, you know, uh, money, but not, all, not only money, but also uh, land, right? Uh, sort of like how Native Americans were granted, you know, reservations. Um, however, if you go to even just the BLM uh, website, which is the, the, you know, run by their senior leadership, you know, they continue to, st to make statements that say that they will not stop the violence until their demands are met. That's something they they plainly and clearly say they're going to do. So the BLM movement is 100% a, a non-peaceful organization anymore. And you can even make the argument, the analytical argument, that they weren't uh, peaceful in the beginning. Um, so the physical description, it once again, extremely varied. Um, it's, you know, obviously by the name of it, it's going to largely be African-American. However, um, you know, previously and even currently, a large amount of, of, of whites are also part of BLM. So you can't really say that the BLM movement is purely about race, even though it technically is on paper, if that sort of makes sense. Um, you know, some of their most notable actions are, you know, going back in time, you know, the summer of violence, which is what we're kind of calling the, 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 the rash, uh, the, the um, um, spreading of rioting around the United States uh, following uh, Minneapolis in 2020. Um, they're also known for destruction of, of Minneapolis, um, Kenosha. They're also known for the assault slash siege on the White House. Uh, the siege of the White House is, is pending. That's not. That's going down in about seven days. Um, we'll see if that happens. For those of you listening to this episode in the future, uh, we'll we'll see if the siege actually goes down. Um, but uh, they they've been known for the assault on the White House following the destruction of Minneapolis um, and the riots that kind of picked up after that. Uh, previously to that, they had a few years where they didn't really do much. And we're just mostly a community-based, uh, you know, civil rights entity. Um, but they were also heavily involved in the Ferguson riots following the shooting of Michael Brown in 2014, and also the New York City riots following the shooting uh, or, or the death of Eric Gardner in uh, 2014. He wasn't uh, he wasn't shot, but um, I don't I don't think. Um, but yeah, so let's let's take a look at the physical description, and you know, we tried to pick the most non-biased images to to display uh, talking about a, a, a BLM protest. But even if you Google the even if you Google, which we know Google is controlled um, by uh, the, these entities, or at least caters to them a lot. Even if you Google BLM protest and then click in images, it's hard to find a BLM image of a peaceful protest. The only one that we could find was one in the top right, but even then we found four or five other images that show that these exact people in this image were breaking things and throwing Molotovs and stuff like that. So this is what your typical BLM protest looks like. I'm sure everybody's seen it in the highly inflammatory and dramatic movie action style uh, news footage that has been around um, and, and been assaulting our uh, news feeds over the past few months. But yeah, for those of you who don't know, this is what a BLM riot or protest looks like. And then, so for our analysis, and yeah, I know this one is once again very inflammatory, but you know, 
we have to call it like we see it. And BLM is not a peaceful organization. You know, despite an initial you know, you know message of peacefully protesting and civil disobedience, which is fine. You know that that you know echoes the original civil rights movement in the 60s and 70s, right? But despite this, the BLM movement has become increasingly more radical over the years. Um, BLM's common they have a common tactic, right? They like to use um, uh, force random citizens to be uncomfortable, right, in order to make them see their message. Uh, so, for instance, uh, screaming at restaurant patrons, you know, stopping traffic, assaulting cars, you know, this has become w exponentially more aggressive in 2020. And people are just being, instead of being screamed at while trying to eat their dinner at a restaurant, people are being swarmed in their vehicles, right? Um, so, you know, in, in 2020, you'd be very hard-pressed to find a BLM protest that did not dissolve into a riot at some point. You know, in early 2020, an observed tactic that we did see was for a genuine BLM protest to break out. For instance, in Minneapolis, before it got bad on that first day, this was a good, a good case study, um, there was a genuine, peaceful BLM protest in Minneapolis um, and a sort of little march through the community as well. They had speakers from churches, they had speakers from politicians, they had high-level leadership from BLM, uh, very prominent uh, celebrities come in and speak. And then, you know, after that sort of main rally or protest was kind of winding down and all the senior leadership was gone, then the rioting broke out. So at that point, things switched almost instantly, and then um, the rioting uh, started, right? So we're seeing that be a tactic with BLM protests. That's why we say for no, that's why we recommend for people to not go to any BLM activities because you know now that at some point that's going to turn into a riot. At some point that's going to turn into something bad. That's just a fact of life now in 2020, you know, and I know that people are going to probably get upset with us about, you know, us calling it like we see it, but hey, we, we have to, uh, we have to call it like we see it for, you know, safety's sake, you know, um, also, as kind of a side note, going back to the whole genocide thing, you know, many of the speakers at recent BLM protests and riots have publicly and openly called for you know, genocide against whites, you know, and um, actively encouraged the targeting and, and killing of whites. Uh, BLM senior leadership historically has distanced themselves from this, but they're not doing that anymore. They have not downplayed or distanced themselves from these sentiments. They've just kind of let it happen, which to us signals a de facto approval of this behavior. Even if they don't believe that that's a rightful thing to do, um, they're letting it happen anyway. Uh, you know, so consequently, you know, in conclusion, we assess with high confidence that the BLM movement has become a radical sort of fringe movement, despite the previously wide-ranging spectrum of opinions and viewpoints and, and, and ideologies. You know, as such, we recommend avoiding all BLM activity and demonstrations as there is a high chance that a seemingly peaceful protest will instantly become a violent riot. So uh, hopefully that sort of is, is helpful on, on this slide. And um, yeah, so we'll move on to the next one, um, which is the NFAC, the uh, Not Effing Around Coalition. Now these guys are far more radical than BLM. They actively say that they are not BLM. Um, but their stated objectives, this is what they claim to support. Um, they claim to support black supremacy, the mass murder of whites, uh, reparations, and, and black separatism. They're different in the terms of you know, black separatism is different from black nationalism, um, but they are supporters of both, uh, mostly black separatism. 
Uh, and of course, their observed actions aren't quite the same. They're, what, what they say and what they do is very, very similar. Um, so some of the more affiliated, some of the movements they're affiliated with are, of course, BLM, like we just mentioned. They're also loosely um, take some of their membership from the Black Panthers, um, but also the uh, Nation of Islam. Uh, but mostly they're aligned with the Nation of Islam because of the older members of the group who are around to remember the Nation of Islam, as well as the fact the NFAC is very anti-Semitic. And their, their uh, leader, Grandmaster Jay, was heavily involved in the Nation of Islam movement growing up. Um, so for those that have not heard of the NFAC, uh, which would be surprising, um, but in any case, the NFAC is a militant um, black separatist group, which is comprised of roughly three to 500 members. Um, whose stated goals have changed considerably over the years, but they're still, they've still always been a radical group. It's not like they've become uh, radicalized over time. They've always started as being radical. And their sort of, their leader their, has, a, has an air or flavor of, of, of occultism. Um, he calls himself the real Grandmaster Jay. And uh, he's made increasingly just plain weird and uh, also radical statements over the years um, regarding his you know, role within the organization. Uh, so <laughs> recently, the NFAC, they've included uh, amongst their goals uh, the goal of giving the entire state of Texas uh, to black Americans as reparations for slave slavery. Um, they've also, which is going back to the weird comments, they've also made extremely anti-Semitic statements over the years, you know, with senior leadership, including Grandmaster Jay, often praising Adolf Hitler and other Nazi leadership, which is just plain weird, which kind of shows the, the fringe movement that these guys really are. Um, you know, they also claim to be highly trained uh, ex-military members. They, only, they claim to only let veterans in who are, you know, have seen multiple combat tours. However, this is extremely false. Um, all of their demonstrations and actions have indicated that their tactical and technical proficiencies with weapons and combat is extremely lacking and basically non-existent. Um, NFAC riots or gatherings have had multiple negligent discharges, and uh, a lot of the when they did their march on uh, Stone Mountain, the NFAC, a lot of the guys had obvious weapons malfunctions, like stovepipes in their weapons. And, uh, you know, magazines being inserted backwards, uh, uh, weapon sites being installed backwards, foregrips being installed in the wrong position or, or, or weapons without sites altogether. Um, so that's kind of a, a sort of characteristic of their organization. Um, so physically, uh, we'll bring up some images here in a second, but the NFAC standard uniform, they actually do have a standard uniform, which is basically just a loose collection of black block clothing, once again, same as Antifa. Um, but they also wear the black berets of the Black Panthers, if anybody remembers them. And also, you know, in a departure from Antifa, these guys also wear, uh, they basically dress like your cheesy video game character from the 80s of any sort of first-person shooter um, with as many uh, chest rigs, rifles, drop leg rigs, you know, um, all kinds of tactical gear as well as a random assortment of ammunition like bandoliers, you know, for shotguns. You'll see a guy carrying a shotgun with five or six bandoliers on, you know, all of which is randomly slung in a very poor military fashion. Um, they also like to attempt to march in a loose formation um, up and down roads and things like that. So let's take a look at, at some of these uh, guys from the NFAC. So uh, in the upper right-hand corner with the, uh, the, the AR-15, there's uh, Grandmaster Jay. 
And uh, as you can see, they're using um, uh, bow things for their comms, so they're probably you know running uh, unencrypted comms that you could easily easily uh, intercept and and uh, overpower if you needed to. Um, but you can see the weird collection of of um, of things. You can see people with you know uh, some people have custom ARs uh, and and other weapons, and other people don't. So um, yeah, that's just sort of their their uh, organizations, what they look like when they riot or march or whatever. Um, and the NFAC is a relatively new organization. They have not been around for very long, despite the fact that they're, you know, the real Grandmaster Jay uh, likes to claim they've been around for a long time. Really, they're, they only gain notoriety from their march on Stone Mountain earlier this year in 2020. Um, however, they also uh, made the trip to Louisville, Kentucky, and uh, commenced to destroy a lot of stuff there. So, um, you know, moving on to our, our analysis, you know, many people have sort of lampooned their, their actions. Um, many people have made fun of them because of their obvious, obvious uh, downfall of not being tactically or technically proficient. Um, despite this, they still remain a current threat, you know. You know, they, they don't really meet the label. Uh, they don't really meet the criteria of being a, a, a traditional insurgent threat, but their ideology and previous actions indicate they still fit the quote-unquote terrorist label, which we, of course, don't like to, to throw out. But they're definitely, that's their goal. They're, they say it, <laughs> so they, that's what they claim to be. You know, their statements have called for the genocide of whites. You know, that, that sort of, that's made their message extremely clear, you know. And despite the fact that they, this has all been talk for the NFAC, a lot of people try to say the NFAC is nothing but just they're all talk, they're just, they're not really a threat. You know, it's only a matter of time before they, you know, they continue, people uh, and, and law enforcement agencies continue to allow this type of behavior, and it's only a matter of time before they take their ideology in earnest, you know, and, and start acting on uh, some of those sentiments that they've been uh, portraying. So consequently, despite the fact that these guys don't seem to be the you know the sharpest tools in the in the drawer, um, we assess with high confidence that the NFA presents a genuine threat uh, to individual safety, and we recommend avoiding all NFAC functions and demonstrations. You know, so just be aware of what's going on, be aware of where they're at, and take uh, take steps to avoid uh, them at all costs. If nothing more than the, 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 the accidental uh, negligent discharges that they have at their, their, their famous fourth their rallies. All right, so switching gears for a second, uh, but still talking about a, an equally inflammatory uh, group. Up next is the Boogaloo Boys. So uh, the, these guys, this uh, movement is also known as the Big Igloo, Large Ice House, whatever. We all know, everybody knows what you're talking about when you talk about the Boogaloo nowadays. So this group is, once again, not really um, a solidified group. They're not really a, uh, a, a succinct set of ideology. However, they do have a few different set of objectives. So for one, this group is largely anti-government. Um, they see larger government as a problem. Uh, a lot of the people within the group uh, would, would uh, support no government at all. Um, some of the members, uh, most of the members, are actually pro-Second uh, Amendment, very, very heavily uh, invested in the Second Amendment and the protections it provides. And also, uh, there's a large sort of uh, flavor of anarcho-capitalism uh, from the early onset in, uh, when this group was sort of came to fruition in 2019. Uh, lately, a lot of the 
uh, sort of boogaloo enthusiasts, I guess we could call them, are mostly, you know, largely anti-law enforcement. Um, and once again, you know, a lot of their state of, stated objectives are pretty much the same as the, as the objectives that we observe from them. Uh, however, with the flavor of, uh, so the Boogaloo uh, members, or the sort of people that portray that ideology, um, tend to be more far right than far left. So, um, however, however far right that is, is it depends. As we can sort of see by the affiliated movements. So, uh, the Boogaloo movement is very heavily steeped in libertarianism. Um, however, over time, they have been uh, sort of linked and associated with movements such as the Proud Boys and uh, various other uh, militia uh, conservative groups. So uh, characterizing the Boogaloo movement is, is kind of a difficult task. Um, so the, the term originates from the depths of you know, 4chan, internet memes, really just you know, Instagram memes, uh, in 2019, um, but the Boogaloo movement is very is a uh, it's a movement that's representative of a very wide ranging set of ideals. The term itself is a reference to the coming of a second American Civil War or another war for independence. Um, it's sort of a, a tongue in cheek uh, reference to that. Um, however, while some Boogaloo enthusiasts are quite serious about preparing for a civil war and you know and actively trying to encourage that. Um, other sort of boog boys, you know, don't view the movement as a true sort of insurgent group and identify with the Boogaloo movement out of solidarity for liberty, you know, and not to engage in a true civil war. They don't really, you know, they're, they're very, definitely moderates within this group, you know. And once again, while it's not exactly a solidified group, you know, participants and, you know, ideology um, is largely shared by a certain... Uh, set of society, right? You know, anti-government sentiments run deep within this, you know, within this movement, you know, as well as anti-law enforcement uh, sentiments. You know, some of the more radical members of this movement are, you know, aligned with more traditional militia-type movements. You know, even with white supremacy groups, which is interesting considering that the, the Boogaloo movement and, and prominent names within the Boogaloo, you know, um, movement uh, have gone to great lengths to. Uh, distance themselves from white supremacy, um, but despite that, uh, there are there is a flavor of white supremacy to some of the Boogaloo uh, movements, uh, along with some of the more, you know, anti-Semitism, you know, racism, things like that, are definitely prevalent within the Boogaloo movement now, uh, in some very limited aspects. How wide ranging that is, who knows? You know, uh, also, you know, many Boogaloo boys have been observed to be protesting alongside Antifa and BLM, who technically are ideologically opposed to them. You know, it doesn't really make any sense. You know, BLM and Antifa are very heavily socialist and um, communist, and the Boogaloo boys are very libertarian, very, very conservative, and things like that. To, to you know, broad speaking broadly, um, however, the you know hatred that the Boogaloo boys have for government, you know, it sort of, and, uh, helps, uh, helps them, uh, be sort of affiliated with Antifa in some, some aspects, you know, if Antifa and BLM are going out there to protest the government, yeah, sure, the, the Boog Boys will show up and support them, but the Boog Boys don't quite realize that Antifa and BLM are their enemies, they're, they're, they're sworn mortal enemies, essentially, right? 
Um, so it's kind of a very complex and and hard organization to define because it's not as solidified as BLM or NFAC or Antifa or any of those other ones. Um, but physically, the physical description is um, Hawaiian shirts and luau patterns are a common indicator of the Boogaloo movement. You know, nowadays, you know, same thing with more traditional 2A symbol symbol symbols such as the you know don't tread on me flag. Um, you know, if the, you know, Boogaloo enthusiasts sort of show up at a rally or a protest, you're going to almost always see them wearing play carriers, helmets, carrying rifles, and wearing Hawaiian shirts. That's just their, that's just their MO. That's what they're going to be wearing. It's going to be pretty obvious what they're supporting. You know, and some of the more notable actions that they have been engaged in, um, really most late, uh, you know, uh, the latest one they've got notoriety for was the the defense of Salon Alamode, that uh, salon hair salon in Texas that was being forced to be shut down, and uh, yeah, they sort of laid a protective siege of that uh, to prevent law enforcement from arresting the salon owner. Uh, same thing with a lot of different bars in Texas uh, when Texas uh, political leadership decided to uh, shut down the bars. Uh, the Boogaloo boys were there to try to prevent that. Um, they're also sort of linked to the sort of Whiskey Warrior 556 incident, which if you haven't, uh, if you haven't heard of what that was, that was an incident back in uh, 2019 where a, uh, a, a guy um, was claiming that um, uh, live streaming on, uh, I, think, I, think it was, I think it was Facebook if I remember correctly, he was live streaming that uh, a, a red flag raid was being conducted on his house to come take his guns, right? And it went instantly viral because he had, he was a very prominent 2A person. And uh, that turned out to not be the case, uh, but it did sort of uh, result in the arrest of a lot of these uh, Boogaloo uh, members because they came to his aid. Uh, the sort of sentiment of a red flag raid going down to go confiscate someone's guns is there was a, a limited attempts for the Boogaloo effort and Boogaloo Boys to set up a um, uh, a sort of uh, notification network, right? So that if somebody was in trouble, they could send a QRF, a quick reaction force out. It's, it was completely ineffective. It did not work at all. It's still People still try to do it, but since the Boogaloo Boys have been labeled as essentially terrorists by the large... Um, uh, by the federal government, it's uh, that sort of died down a lot. They've been arrested and targeted, even more so than BLM, which is interesting. Um, but let's uh, take a look at some of the pictures of these guys. So these guys, yeah, were uh, this is um, pretty typical, pretty typical for um, the Boogaloo Boys to show up at a, at a sort of rally or protest or something like that. So if you see this, this is, you can almost be certain that these guys are, are Boogaloo Boys, um, just based on the Hawaiian print alone. That's a very good recce feature. And, you know, sort of our thoughts on it, we have, you know, we have had a whole um, longer than an hour long podcast episode talking about this particular movement and our frustrations with it because, you know, obviously we, um, a lot of our uh, members are, have the very unique political ideals that are sort of, um, sort of aligned with a lot of the stuff that we talk about. For instance, you know, the S2 Underground Project is very, very liberty-minded, you know, the Boogaloo Boys also very liberty-minded, you know, we're very, you know, 2A and, and um, constitutional rights oriented and so is so are the Boogaloo Boys. So we have a lot of people in common and that's why a lot of people are probably going to be listening to this section a lot more than normal because, you know, we've, we've talked about it in, 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 at, at length. Um, but, you know, 
just to get through our sort of analyst comments here, you know, while not as violent as their counter movements like BLM and NFAC, and not quite fitting the description of a quote unquote extremist group, you know, the Boogaloo movement is still a comparatively radical organization, despite being a very loose ideology, right? Um, you know, while their message is positive, you know, we must recognize that other far, uh, far more militant and hostile groups are definitely using the Boogaloo movement as a way to rebrand themselves and make their ideology more palatable, such as, for instance, the, the, the Proud Boys, you know, starting to, to get involved with the Boogaloo protests. You know, those two groups don't have anything in common, but the Proud Boys are, you know, say, you don't like the government, right? We don't like the government either, so we're friends, you know, and that's not how it works, right? Um... You know, we cannot ignore the fact that a significant portion of, you know, Boogaloo enthusiasts have originated from white supremacists, terrorists, guerrilla, or other insurgent groups within the U.S. That's just a fact that has happened. Right? It may not have started that way, but it definitely is the case now. Um, as such, you know, we recommend avoiding all demonstrations and activities that are solely aligned with the Boogaloo movement. You know, so if there's a sort of Boogaloo rally or something like that, which is going to be hard to, to see nowadays, or if there's a Boogaloo counter-protest to a BLM, avoid that like the plague. That's what we recommend. Um, now, if you show up to something like, a, you know, a, a 2A rally or something like that, you know, we wouldn't even recommend doing that nowadays. But if you wanted to, that's that's fine. That's not a... a, a, a a huge risk, right, to go to a, a liberty rally or some kind of, you know, even like a Trump rally or something, that's not as, that's not really a, a security risk, I don't think, but, you know, those guys, these guys will show up to those conservative type political events and rallies as we get closer to election time, and, you know, that's going to be a lower risk, you know, I would, it's not like where, if I show up to a political rally and I see the NFAC there, I'm going to leave immediately. Or, you know, but if I show up to a political rally and I see the boog some Boogaloo guys there or guys in Hawaiian shirts, I'm not going to. I'm really not going to leave immediately because they really haven't been they haven't been violent at all. Um, but you know, events that are intended to solely promote the Boogaloo are a, an extreme high risk for things like violent counter protests. You know, as well as threats from law enforcement and federal authorities. You know, let's not get get misconstrued here the boogaloo boys are definitely targeted by law enforcement and federal authorities they are not friends at all um, and the feeling is mutual i, I think um, based on what we've been able to tell um, so the these guys anybody who talks about this sort of thing i'm sure that just by talking about the the, the boogaloo we're on a watch list now or or some analyst in a government position is probably listening to this podcast and watching this youtube video because we're talking about it so we, you know, we might even get uh, censored from YouTube because we're talking about it. So it's, it's that inflammatory. But if you want to learn more about this, go go listen to our our um, our, uh, our episode on that. So we have we talk about that a little bit more in depth. Uh, but moving on to what we've kind of mentioned already, which is sort of, uh, we're going to lump these three agencies and entities together because they're kind of the same thing and kind of have sort of the same leadership and and. Um, uh, members. So the three percenters, the Proud Boys, and the Oath Keepers. So for those of you that have been around for a while, you may have heard these terms very loosely, and you kind of know that they're sort of a militia movements, and that's pretty much what they are. Um, their their goals are all pretty much the same, you know, freedom-oriented, anti-government, but a lot of times they're pro-law enforcement, which is odd um, for some of these views. Um, that's what they say they are. You know what we've observed them to be is very different, right? There, uh, a lot of these groups, like the Proud Boys, are very white supremacist. Um, you know, they're also very gov anti-government, which they claim to be, but they're, you know, also 
uh, anti-LGBT. They're they're basically far-right extremist groups for the most part. You know, it did not used to be this way, um, but they have over time become that way. And some more than others. For instance, the three percenters are far less radical than the Proud Boys in some areas, and in some areas they're not. Um, same thing with the Oath Keepers. So the Oath Keepers are far more radical in some areas than the three percenters, and, and in other areas they're not. Um, but affiliated movements, you know, obviously they're affiliated with each other, but they're also loosely affiliated with the Boogaloo movement, which you mentioned before. Um, but, you know, moving on to the characterization, these groups you know, and others like them, that there's dozens of others that sort of have the same ideology. Um, these have been some of the longest standing armed militia movements in the United States, the Three Percenters, the Proud Boys, and the Oath Keepers. Um, you know, over the years, these organizations have had a very prominent, uh, very prominent members with varied ideology. For instance, you've had congressmen and, and, and very high-ranking politicians align and say they're members of or support the Three Percenters, the Proud Boys, and the Oath Keepers um, over the years. However, they have kind of distanced themselves from the more radical elements like the Proud Boys. You know, over the years, you know, these, um, the, the over ide overarching ideology has loosely been based in defending the rights laid out in the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. So they're very much a constitutional right-wing uh, agencies. You know, some of these, some of the more radical elements of these sort of align with the Boogaloo movement in that they are enthusiastic regarding the potential for a civil war. So like, for instance, the Proud Boys, a lot of times you'll see events where they're actively trying to goad or, you know, stoke the, you know, fan the flames of, of civil unrest in the United States because they want a race war. Um, so that's sort of what a, a lot of these agencies are, you know. Um, many of these organizations are pro-military, um, with several incidents being recorded of Oath Keepers, you know, guarding soldiers from being attacked at recruitment centers. So that was a big thing a while back. There was a, a shooting at a... Um, uh, a, a recruiter office, a recruiting station in, I think, Tennessee a few years back. And uh, in response to that, because the military, for those of you who don't know, military members, including recruiters, cannot carry weapons, uh, personal weapons, uh, for defense uh, on base or even in their offices if their recruiting station is off base. They can't, they can't do that. That's a regulation. And so these groups, Oath Keepers, of course, saying that's a huge infringement on the Second Amendment. We're not going to stand by. We're going to go guard the recruitment centers. Well, it turns out that that, you know, um, they would stand outside recruitment centers, heavily armed. Um, but, uh, yeah, the, the recruiters were issued statement, you know, issued guidance of, hey, don't interact with these guys because it's just kind of a complex situation, right? So a lot of times the recruiters didn't want them there, but, you know, they're, it's a free country, allegedly. So that was kind of the mentality back then. You know, you know, that being said, other members and other fringe movements within these movements um, have definitely uh, engaged in guerrilla warfare and uh, insurgency and terrorism within the United States, carrying out attacks on governmental complexes and, and, and things like your more traditional Al-Qaeda tactics of attacking government facilities, right? So there are definitely, there is definitely a huge threat there. And moving on to sort of their physical description, um, you can kind of see what they're uh, what they all look at. You know, the three percenter tabs and morale patches are extremely common. Basically, if you can if you see somebody at a rally with a, a plate carrier on with like fifty morale patches velcroed to it, that's pretty much going to be somebody like a three percenter, probably or a keeper. That's usually what their their mo is. Um, 
they they also stick by traditional Pro 2A stuff, you know, like the modified Betsy Ross flag, like the icon we have in the upper right hand corner, the the, the, the stars from Betsy Ross flag, but with the Roman numerals uh, for the three, the number three in there. Um, you know, various versions of the Gadsden flag, uh, you know, uh, stuff like that. And some, some parts of these, you know, like for instance, the, the Proud Boys are specifically male only. They do not allow women into the Proud Boys. Um, so that's kind of another recce feature. There's other more notable actions, like I had mentioned uh, earlier, earlier this year, the Summer of Violence. These agencies were there, uh, not in force uh, and not really, uh, not really in significant numbers, but for instance, the Kenosha shooting, they were definitely there. Um, also, the, the violence uh, at the Charlottesville riots in 2017 was a direct result of these organizations. Um, also, they had a huge, uh, a huge hand in the Malheur Refuge uh, siege back in 2016, if you remember that, with the Bundys. Um, they were also heavily involved in the Kim Davis incident, which was in 2015, which is, I think was a county clerk in, I think, Kentucky. He refused to sign a, uh, or refused to issue, like, uh, a gay or um, an LGBT marriage license or something like that. Um, they're also uh, a part of the Ferguson riots in 2014 and 2015, and the original Bundy Ranch standoff. It's it's cut off, but it was in on the slide here. But uh, uh, sorry about that. But the, it was the uh, Bundy Ranch standoff in 2014. They were also there, and most of those guys were part of these organizations. Um, so let's take a look at what these guys look like. And as you can see, yeah, very militant, very you know military-ish. Um, you can kind of see that they, they are heavily armed with various accoutrement of tactical gear. You know, some people wearing, um, you know, gas masks, things like that, uh, military type uniforms, but there isn't really a uniform standard. Um, we've seen multicam uh, patterns be, be very popular lately. So chances are if you see somebody wearing a multicam uniform and they're obviously not a cop, uh, they're not obviously not a cop or um, uh, members of the of the military then they're probably parts of these groups so moving on to a kind of our assessment the, these groups are you know extremely diverse in both ideology and membership um, you can have guys that are legitimate like like your you know county or city rotary group or you know like the your boy scout troop could have you know oath keepers in it but you know on the other hand you can also have literally domestic terrorists that claim to be proud boys oath keepers of three percenters right you know um, and also due to recent events, a shift towards extremism has definitely been observed, um, especially as opposition groups like BLM and the NFAC have gained power, right? You know, also the sort of perceived double standard of BLM being allowed to attack cities has resulted in great discontent from these groups, which in turn has resulted in greater participation and counter-protests from these groups. You know, and this is something that we're going to, you know, watch out for in the future. This is definitely a thing to watch out for as we get closer to election time. These groups, you know, these groups specifically are going to show up in greater numbers when it comes to uh, protests and riots. So we're going to start seeing, just like we started to see in Kenosha, there was a, in Kenosha there's a, a, a large BLM contingent and a pretty good contingent from these guys as well. So uh, just keep that in mind that these counter-protests are going to happen a lot more often. And these guys are going to bring the heat when it comes to uh, conflict. So if these guys and the BLM guys are protesting in the same area, um, things could go bad very, very quickly, you know. You know, it's very rare for these groups on their own, when they're holding their own rallies and there's nobody else around but them, they're not going to, they don't riot, right? They, that's just not what they do. 
Um, but the likelihood of conflict at one of these groups, protests, or rallies is high um, if the likelihood of a counter-protest breaking out is, is high as well. You know, these days, nowadays, um, if you put out, like on the news, there's going to be a 3 percent rally somewhere, there's going to be a BLM rally pop up right there same day, and they're going to try to start start stuff between each other. So, you know, as a result, once again, this is another group we say just avoid at all costs. Avoid these guys with the same fervor and uh, expediency that you would avoid the NFAC or the BLM. So, uh, moving on to a way more extremist group, um, the KKK, um, which is... Uh, an agency that we have seen come back out of the woodwork um, when it comes, especially as the BLM has, has gained power. So obviously, this group ha is very transparent in their extreme ideology. They state that they are for white supremacy and genocide of anyone who's not white, and that's also what they stand for. That's what we observe them to be um, uh, doing. Right, their actions meet their meet their uh, st uh, um, stated goals. Right. Um, they, these guys are also heavily affiliated with, with the Oath Keepers, Three Percenters, Proud Boys, Boogaloo Boys, Neo-Nazis, things like that. Um, now, we don't want to lump in all of these groups together. For instance, we think that the Proud Boys are more, far more radical than you know, the Three Percenters. But, and the Boogaloo Boys probably don't even deserve to be talked about in terms of the KKK because there's really not a correlation there. However, they are linked, right? And I'll talk about that in just a second, but... Character, characterize the KKK, the Ku Klux Klan, is, is pretty much the oldest white supremacist group still operating within the United States. Um, they have a long, long history of violent murders and lynchings. Just go on their Wikipedia page. It, it is, there have been novels and novels written about the KKK. You know, most people consider the KKK to be a terrorist group, and rightfully so, because their goal is to use terror to promote their extreme right-wing ideology, you know. Um, however, the reason that we're talking about them in this context is that over time, the KKK has realized that their extreme right ideology and sort of lust for murder is not really marketable to the masses anymore. And, you know, as such, they've attempted to conceal their intentions, their true intentions. You know, KKK members rarely hold public meetings anymore and will almost never admit that they align with KKK ideology. Consequently, you know, most KKK members have taken up the banner of various conservative political interest groups, right? In other words, if you were to find the most radical person at a, a pro-2A rally or a, a Donald Trump rally or something like that, they will most likely be secretly uh, be KKK members. Um, you know, physically description, you know, physical description, the white hoods and robes have become a thing of the past, but some of the more radical members will still use the swastika and other white supremacist symbols and phrases to convey their message. Um, however, um, KKK members have been known to appear to simply be basically just radical pro-2A members or pro-liberty people. Um, so care must be taken when engaging with anyone who appears to be a diehard sort of liberty supporter. And let's take a look at some of these images here. These are um, images from a, a rally, I believe, in Virginia. Um, but as you can see on the top left-hand corner, these guys look a lot like Oath Keepers. They look a lot like the... the um, uh, 
uh, Proud Boys or something like that. But and these guys, you know, may claim to be, but they're 100% definitely aligned with the KKK. And in, in the top right-hand corner, you can see we've censored the image because um, YouTube does not allow the swastika to be displayed anywhere in their videos, and their sort of algorithms will catch that. So we didn't want this video to get flagged and taken down. Uh, but these guys, yeah, definitely rally with the traditional things. You'll see them like this guy holding the Nazi flag, but you see eight feet in front of him is a dude with the don't tread on me flag. So you can see how that ideology has changed a lot. Um, it, it's not really the same, but, you know, these radical extreme right, you know, hate groups, terror groups are absolutely um, taking the banner of liberty and, and trying to sneak that message in. Even in the bottom right-hand corner, we see the... Um, members of the actual Nazi party, and as you can see, they have um, uh, that sort of uh, white flag with the, the black X, and we have seen that a lot on supposedly pro-liberty uh, things like morale patches. We'll scroll past Instagram, we'll see a morale patch that has that sort of, you know, X on it, and uh, that's not what people think it is. I don't, I don't quite think. That is the uh, white nationalism flag, and it's definitely a, 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 a sort of flag synonymous uh, with the Nazi flag, right? And um, so, you know, coming back, we can kind of see in the upper right-hand corner back on the side the, the, the similarities between the, the Confederate flag, which is, of course, a thing that the Ku Klux Klan and other radical right-wing groups use. Um, other moderate groups use it too, right? A lot of people who have no ties to the Klan use the Confederate flag as well. However, not very many people use the white nationalism flag, uh, the southern white nationalism flag, which is the white background with the uh, black X in it. Um, so just keep that in mind. If you see that flag, that's what that means. It's not a pro-liberty flag at all. It's not a heritage flag at all. It's definitely an extremist flag. So, you know, obviously the KKK is an extremist group. They're a terrorist group. We all know this, right? Um, but, you know, going into our you know, analyst comments for this, you know, just like every other insurgent group and terrorist organization on earth, the KKK has had to adapt to a changing population in order to remain semi-relevant in the 21st century. You know, concealment and quiet meetings have been their way of coping with an unsupportive populace, and most true KKK operations are conducted in secret. You know, consequently, we obviously recommend avoiding all of these groups, you know, but also remain vigilant because... You know, remember, you you never really know what a person is thinking or what the ideology they truly have until they have taken action, which would you know be too late, right? So, um, moving on to a, a sort of a a different sort of flavor of group, right? Which is the back the blue movement. Now, this is a sort of movement. It's not really it's not really a movement. Right? It's not really a group. It's um it's just sort of a thing that we have noticed coming out. Um, in response to a lot of the BLM protests, we've seen a lot of people come out at, with back the blue rallies, right? And so their objective is to support police and law enforcement entities, right? Um, and, you know, some of the more affiliated movements are the Oath Keepers, Three Percenters, Proud Boys, some of the more conservative parts of, of America, right, and society. And, you know, characterize the Back the Blue movement, you know, sort of, it definitely sprung up in opposition to the BLM message of, you know, defunding the police. So as more people come out and protest to defund the police, more, you know, Back the Blue people show up. You know, uh, this sort of combined with the politicians immediately charging police officers with crimes or participants in police-involved shootings, you know, this has resulted in a large number of citizens protesting in support of law enforcement, right? Every time you have an issue in 2020, you know, 
you know, I, I don't like, you know, oranges, like the, the fruits. So I'm going to hold a rally that says oranges are bad. Well, 20 minutes later, you're going to have a pro-orange group show up, you know, how citrus is great and everything. So this is exactly one of those things where BLM is anti-police, and these guys show up as well. So, you know, paradoxically, you know, many of these protesters are very pro-2A as well, and extremely pro-Constitution. When in, you know, in fact, a lot of you know, police officers can routinely be observed to be wearing three percenter morale patches on their gear, you know, although this practice has become increasingly more forbidden in late 2020 as people, as police of the department start to strip uh, ideology out of their ranks. Um, but yeah, the main, the main sort of identification feature is the thin blue line flag and other apparel and things like that. Um, they uh, some of the more notable in engagements. The reason that we're talking about this is due to the Kyle Rittenhouse shooting, the Kenosha uh, uh, shooting, response to the Kenosha shooting in 2020. Well, where you know Kyle Rittenhouse, you know, shot. Uh, we're not going to go into that incident, but basically, it come out uh, after the fact that he was definitely a member of the Back the Blue movement, and he was there to counter protest or or whatever uh, the BLM people. So. Um, as, as time goes on, we're definitely going to see more and more of these type of things happen, right? So let's take a look at what this sort of looks like. And, you know, like any other normal rally protest, their flags are the back, the blue flag, the thin blue line flag, pretty much all of that. A lot of times you'll see them wearing their old, you know, if they're retired police, you'll see them wearing police shirts and things like that. Um, so yeah, that's sort of what they look like. A lot of times you'll also see them affiliated with you know other first responder type things like you know fire departments and, and EMS as well. Um, to sort of lump those all in together, even though they're not really the same um, entities. But you know this, you know moving into our analyst comments for this one, this movement, you know while it's not it's not not it's um it's not a violent organization, it's not a violent group, it's but it is a paradox, right? You know, cognitive dissonance is a, is basically the the watchword for this group, because these protests are usually conducted in the name of liberty, and they're sort of touted as being conservative, liberty-minded protests. But the ideology they're preaching doesn't really match up with reality, right? In other words, you know, the slogan of "Don't tread on me" is frequently stated, but they frequently support things like more gun control, you know, red flag laws, no-knock raids, and other tyrannical actions, right? So the reason that we talk about this, this sort of very flawed ideology, is that you know this matters because this group has the highest disparity between what they say and what they do, right? So this presents an interesting but unpredictable atmosphere, which could present an unexpected risk when interacting with opposition groups like BLM and NFAC. And moving along to a relatively unknown agency is the Socialist Rifle Association, or the SRA. Now, these guys uh, propped up and, and sort of named themselves as an operation is in uh, opposition to the NRA um, as a far-left, communist-oriented gun rights group. Um, that's what they state they are. Uh, we've observed that they are definitely a far-left group, but they're also a, very much a, a sort of LGBT militia group. Um, and they are also anti-gun rights. <laughs> They're anti-gun rights for their political enemies, right? This is definitely a radical group, right? Um, uh, similar movements that they're affiliated with are the BLM, Antifa, and also the Redneck Revolt, which I'm not sure if anybody has heard of before, but you could go read about them. Um, they're not at all what you'd think they would be based on their name. Um, but characterized, they're a very small group, very, very small. Um, but they gain notoriety due to recent actions, which I'll talk about in a second. 
Um, but yeah, they were started on social media on Facebook in 2013 as a sort of tongue-in-cheek joke um, uh, political enemy to the NRA. And uh, this entity has since then organized into a real militant group over the years. Um, from their very first, you know, serious engagements at the Charlottesville riots, you know, the SRA has swelled to several thousand members. Um, they're self-reportedly comprised of approximately 7,000 members, of which roughly 1,000 of which um, identify as LGBT, which is interesting. So they have a huge sort of LGBT message as well uh, in their group. Um, you know, also, like I mentioned earlier, they, they tell themselves as being a gun rights group, but in reality, the SRA mostly tries to train and form left-wing militia movements to attack political opponents, right? So they're not a gun rights group at all, despite that's what they say they are. They're only gun rights for themselves. Um, you know, uh, defined physically, they, you know, wear black block clothing and uniforms, much like uh, Antifa. However, they do have a very strong Soviet and communist uh, um, air about them with lo with lots of um, communist slogans and memorabilia. So let's take a look at the image. As you can see, they look uh, in this particular image. We can't really find a whole lot of images of these guys on the internet because nobody really cares about them. But um, this looks like another picture of the NFAC, but it's it's not. These guys are um, uh, definitely the Socialist Rifle Association, and uh, yeah, they more or less are, are pretty much the same as other, those other groups, except they're definitely more Marxist. Um, you'll see a lot of people be oriented with both the SRA and BLM, for instance. You know, and some of the more notable actions, they were definitely present in, in um, significant numbers, like in, say, more than a dozen people at the Kenosha riots. Um, as well as they were involved in the Kyle Rittenhouse incident, like we mentioned earlier. And they were also present in Charlottesville and were the result of, uh, their presence resulted in a lot of uh, violence there. Uh, so, you know, moving on to the analyst comments again, you know, while relatively still small, uh, the SRA, SRA uh, remains a significant threat in the areas that they maintain a positive influence in. You know, such as uh, the Pacific Northwest or, you know, left-wing strongholds. You know, sorry for the typo there on the slide. But, um, you know, the SRA can be separated from traditional right-wing or conservative gun rights groups because they don't champion gun rights. Rather, they, they take advantage of gun rights in order to arm and fund themselves and other insurgent groups within the U.S., um, you know, despite the fact that this seems like it's a really huge threat because they're basically a, 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 a communist insurgent group in the United States, um, you know, SRA members and leadership have demonstrated, you know, basically technical incompetency with firearms, you know, as well as, you know, a completely ignorant uh, viewpoint of military tactics. They have no idea how to use any of this stuff. Um, but, you know, as we've learned with other groups, with time comes experience. So as the SRA participates in more engagements, they, you know, they will, as more Kenosha incidents happen, as more Kyle Rittenhouse incidents occur, as more Charlottesville uh, incidents occur, they will undoubtedly gain more knowledge on how to be more effective uh, with their targeting of their political enemies. So... Uh, moving on to a, a very odd agency, I will admit w this is just one of about a dozen different groups within the United States that are roughly the same as this one. So when we when we talk about this organization, the ISUPK, um, there are a lot of other groups just like them that have roughly the same ideology. They just want to be separate for se for the sake of being separate. 
But this group is the Israelite School of Universal Practical Knowledge, and this is basically a um, it's basically a religious cult, right? They state that they are for black supremacy and the genocide of all non-blacks, um, but their observed actions are, you know, of course they are they do stand for black supremacy and genocide, but they're also a religious cult. Um, some of the more other affiliated movements are other groups like the Israelite Church of God and Jesus Christ, which is odd because it's a supposedly Jewish organization that's founded in Jesus Christ, which makes no sense at all. But they characterize this group and other groups like it is a unique religious cult whose core beliefs you know, center around the idea that all persons of African descent are the true descendants of the 12 tribes of Israel. Um, and you know this this organization's unique radical beliefs have gained popularity over the years because it's quite anti-Semitic. Um, you know this organization is relatively small, uh, with only a few dozen branches around the United States, but it's still got a pretty good um, pretty good following in, in some of the larger cities. You know while religious in nature, this organization retains a military rank structure. You know their their um, their leader going by the name of Commanding General Yahana. I think that's how to, how you pronounce it. Um, and you know, as a result of this, you know, they claim that the true Jewish people are of African descent. You know, this means that this group has a very strong anti-Semitic message because they say that people who identify as Jewish, like nowadays, like people who are actually from Israel and are actually Jewish, they say they're not really Jewish. Um, as such, they can they harass and target actual people of Jewish descent, right? So these guys usually get their message out via webinars or sort of websites or street preachings and, you know, loudspeaker operations. This is their primary tool and form of harassment. Uh, they've gotten into a lot of trouble over the years for having loudspeakers in certain urban areas, and that's sort of how they gain their popularity. Um, they also align with various left-wing ideologies, um, and they have been seen at recent BLM protests, albeit in small numbers. Um, physically described, I just gonna, I'm just going to have to show you a picture of these guys because it's just, it's just weird. I'm sorry, uh, you know, it's kind of hard to remain neutral with these guys because it's so radical. Um, but they started off for the most part with wearing black block clothing, but they also. Um, routinely use the Star of David and as well as black bandanas and shemogs um, tied around the head as well, uh, which is which is weird because shemogs are typically Islamic, but these guys typically use them as well. Um, and some ISUPK members also wear turbans, which is interesting because that's a whole variety of other Eastern cultures wear turbans. Um, but yeah, they have been observed to be participating in summer violence 2020 and all the riots and things like that. Not in huge numbers, but they've been there. We've seen them. And also they've been basically known for their street preachings from 2007 to now, essentially. And let's take a look at the, the images. So as you can see, the, the images have a very flavor, like the, the, the videos and the webinars they have, have kind of a feel of an old school 1990 Al-Qaeda um, style uh, filming to them, but it's it's different. Uh, they have a lot of, you know, it, it, they almost look like ISIS, but they're they're definitely not Islamic. They're very um, anti uh, anti Muslim and anti Islamic, but they're also anti Semitic. So it's kind of it's kind of weird. I, we're having a hard time characterizing their organization, other than the fact that it's just completely foreign to us, in that it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. 
So like in the upper right-hand image, you've got guys that are dressed, you know, in traditional Middle Eastern um, Arabic garb and, you know, Islamic tradition stuff, but they also have, you know, menorahs and, and other um, Jewish um, religious items scattered throughout their TV sets, which is odd. You know, they also dress in leather and other black block clothing a lot of times, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense at all. So, you know, just kind of a kind of a unique organization. And this isn't the only one. There's many organizations like this nowadays, and they're becoming radically more popular. Um, and the reason that we talk about these guys is because um, they're a textbook extremist group and a religious cult, but that doesn't mean that they're not harmless, right? You know, th th that doesn't mean that they're completely... Um, incapable of, of attacking someone. You know, with the rise of extremism during the summer of violence, you know, as well as the you know, left wing and sort of black supremacy nature and flavor of this organization, you know, it's extremely likely that the ISUPK and other groups like them will gain notoriety and followers because they're going to, once again, attach themselves to the black supremacy ideology, the same one that the NFAC uses, the same one that BLM uses uh, in some cases, and, and things like that which means that it's, it's easy for them to solidify with other groups and, and get bigger, right? It's also likely for this group um, to band together with other even hostile opponents like the Nation of Islam. You know, the Nation of Islam is supposedly a, a group that's completely you know, a hostile agency to this group, but considering that um, you know, black supremacy is a, is a huge part of their organizations, uh, this will likely be a uniting factor for organizations uh, like this one to sort of band together with their enemies, which is, is just completely strange, but that sort of seems like the theme so far. All right, so moving on to a, another more traditional uh, group is the Nation of Islam. So for a lot of our old-timers out there, you'll remember this group, but uh, for some of the uh, younger um, persons out there, this is a group that's not really talked about a lot uh, anymore. But during the civil rights movement in the sort of 60s through going in, on through the 80s and even into the 90s, the Nation of Islam was a very popular group. Um, their objectives are, or were, uh, primarily black supremacy, black separatist, um, but it's all religious-based. It's heavily seated in um, Islam. Uh, however, they have, over the years, been observed to, of course, be for black supremacy, for black separatism, but they're also very much associated with a sort of cult ideology. Um, they're very, also very anti-LGBT and very, very anti-Semitic, um, which is what you sort of expect from a, an agency that is, is founded in a religion that is in opposition to Judaism. Um, and these guys got really popular over time um, because they're of their affiliations. You know, Malcolm X, a.k.a. his real name, Malcolm Little, and um, uh, Louis Farrakhan of the Farrakhan Movement, and his sort of religious cult, um, his real name being uh, Louis Eugene Walcott, and you know, sort of Muhammad Ali um, being a huge voice for the Nation of Islam because he was um, taken under the, under the wing of Malcolm X and other people like that. Um, they also have uh, ties to the Church of Scientology and things like that. So this is a more this is a, a very a very long-standing group. You know, as we see by our characterization here, the Nation of Islam is one of the largest and, and longest-lasting Islamic-based black separatist groups in the world. You know, while not as widely known today um, as their highest point of popularity was during the late 20th century. 
the, you know, the nation of Islam is still around today and still remain, retains a large influence. Um, they, they do a lot of their stuff through more higher political offices. For instance, there are a lot of congressmen, a lot of judges, a lot of celebrities that are part of nation of Islam or have ties to it, right? So it's more of a, um, it, it's, it's cooled down a little bit from its militant days, but, um, and taken on more of a corporate atmosphere, you know, which which um, makes it very unlikely to directly link any sort of nation of Islam leadership to rioting or crimes, right? You know, and physically described, um, really, you know, Islamic dress and traditional African attire, you know, is pretty common. Also, same, you know, suits and ties are also common. You know, it, it, there really isn't any way to tell one person if a person is a, a member of the nation of Islam. And as you can see here in these images, you know, upper left-hand corner of, you know, Lewis, um, uh, uh, Eugene Walcott and um, Malcolm X, Malcolm Little, they're speaking, you know, with a huge banner, there is no God but Allah behind them. You know, very much a, a radical, militant group. And as you can see on the, the bottom left-hand and the bottom right-hand corner, um, these groups definitely have a flavor of the, you know, the Black Panthers or heavily rooted in the nation of Islam and things like that. But as you can see in the upper right-hand corner, even just a couple of weeks ago, there are riots and uh, protests and demonstrations that are the result of the nation of Islam. Now, uh, I say riots, but it's, it, they don't really riot so much. This group isn't founded in rioting. This group is founded in demonstrations and, and fear tactics and things like that. You know, as a result, their notable actions and engagements, there's just far too many to list. Um, there have been thousands and thousands of protests and riots and murders and everything attributed to Nation of Islam, right? So, you know, moving on to the to the analyst comments, you know, while in recent times the BLM leadership is seemingly more radical than these guys, you know, this organization is just as radical as BLM. But having more experience, you know, the Nation of Islam has retained a lower profile in order to prevent the arrest of senior leadership. You know, the BLM leadership, they can sit there and call for the genocide of whites all they want, but they're eventually going to get arrested or pinned to something, whereas the Nation of Islam believes the same thing, but they're not going to say it. They're not going to come out and be obvious about it. You know, also demographically, the Nation of Islam is comprised of more older people, whereas the majority of BLM uh, participants is mostly younger people. Uh, people who are too young to remember the violence of the original civil rights movement of you know the 60s and 70s. You know, additionally, the message of anti-Semitism from the Nation of Islam is likely to entice a new generation of extremists over time, as you know, many of our previous identified groups have had these same anti-Semitic tendencies. You know, just like the ISUPK, the NFAC, BLM, you know, Antifa. All kind of have an uh, you know, anti-Semitic uh, message kind of interlaced in them sometimes, you know. And while the Nation of Islam does not necessarily share the same concept uh, concept of black separatism like you know BLM and NFAC do, the Nation of Islam overall is is open not as openly radical, you know, for reasons that we've talked about before. So they're not you still don't get caught, right? And, you know, as such, not being radical enough is likely to result in conflicts between, you know, the Nation of Islam and other groups, which on paper should be allies. So, you know, we can't, we can't forget that the BLM and Nation of Islam might end up uh, creating a sort of um, adversarial relationship between the two because they're not radical enough, right? And they're just demographically different enough to create that conflict there. So, you know, the Nation of Islam is definitely one worth 
uh, uh, watching out for in the future, though. And then lastly, we have the, the one group of everybody else, uh, people who are not involved in any of these groups. And we have to talk about these people because these people are starting to, to be more and more active, right? Basically, the goals of unaffiliated citizens are self-preservation, right? You know, and, you know, traditionally, unaffiliated citizens and people who aren't part of any of these groups, they're not, they don't join a group. They're not going to join a group unless... Um, that movement provides the most security while at the same time not removing their cultural identity, right? So people aren't going to join a group that you know takes away their cultural cultural identity, but they will join a group for security's sake. For instance, the Taliban in Afghanistan, right? The, you know, the Taliban did not force people to you know get rid of their political or or um, religious beliefs. They just wanted you know people to swear allegiance to them. Very you know it's a very crude explanation of it, but that's sort of how it is. Whereas, you know, if you join the BLM, you know, you're basically saying that you give up a certain ideology and you're assuming their ideology. You know, same thing with Nation of Islam. You have to convert, basically, almost like converting a religion to joining some of these groups, which unaffiliated citizens will not do unless it provides a significant amount of security while not damaging their own culture at the same time. Um, so this group, you know, characterized as basically the underestimated, silent uh, part of society uh, of citizens who don't want to get involved but are forced to. Um, and this is becoming increasingly more and more necessary, or at least, you know, more and more people believe that it's necessary. You know, we're starting to see more and more counter-protests of people that aren't even part of a group, but they're going out there and combating the BLM people who are rioting, right? So we're seeing that happen more and more often. However, um, the concept of the useful idiot is uh, definitely in play with this category of, of people. Um, basically, people who are being taken advantage of by other groups to get an end means across, right? You're able to convince somebody to go out there with an AR-15 and a plate carrier to go stand in a line because it's what the ideology needs and it's what we need to save ourselves from group XYZ, right? But in actuality, you're really just putting them out there like, you know, uh, a sort of bullet catcher so that they can start the violence and you uh, are running your um, corporation back uh, from afar. So, um, however, that's very, you know, how, how, how often that happens and how widespread this is is entirely situation dependent. You know, essentially the physical description of this is everybody, anybody who is not affiliated with anything. So basically the physical description is anybody. There are no uniforms and no races or social classes, education or any other factor will dictate who these people are. And the notable actions that unaffiliated citizens are affiliated with is um, we don't have any. Um, at least not yet. And, and, and really it's impossible for us to know this. It's impossible for us to know who is going to be engaged in something. So, for instance, you know, Kyle Rittenhouse, we don't know what political group he was sort of, you know, we know that he was very supportive of, you know, back the blue movement, but we also know he was very liberty-minded as well. So we're going to start to see more and more people come out that are like that. Um, and, yeah, so it just makes it very difficult to, to predict these things in the future. Sort of moving on, if we wanted to put these, put these groups on, on a chart, right, put them on a map and sort of talk about 
how they're related to one another and things like that. We could do this. We could sort these guys by political affiliation with these guys on the right and these guys on the left, and we could call it a day, right? But that's not fair, right? That's not fair to these groups because it's not, and that's why we sort of mentioned how the, the, the idea of the political compass is not exactly a good explanation of what's going on in America today because we have such a disinformation campaign from literally all of these entities and other entities that make it hard to figure out what the ideology is uh, of, of any of these agencies, right? So we think that a, a, a more fair way to do it is to just put these guys on a graph and understand that there are links between them, right? This is your basic link analysis, right? A very crude way of demonstrating that some of these groups have alliances with, with others. They, they are linked in some way, right, with, with each other. And then we also can say that, you know, very broadly that a lot of these groups have enemies, right? They have an adversarial relationship with a lot of other groups. Right, some groups like the ISUPK and Antifa, they target unaffiliated citizens simply because they don't pick a side. Because you're not Antifa, so you're going to be attacked, even though they're not a, really an enemy of Antifa. They just don't engage in that stuff. So you've got to understand that you know there's a lot of this sort of you know uh, adversarial relationships and friendships going on. You know there are also other things like unaffiliated citizens that are gradually starting to come into the to the picture you've got all these other groups that are starting to crop up because more and more people are getting upset and, and want to sort of take their communities back and want to have their you know voice heard or things like that so you've got some groups that are kind of overlapping you know also you have criminals you have a criminal element you have everything from your street you know your street uh, local street corner drug dealer to you know your heavy organized crime with your cartels and you know your 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 gang violence and stuff out on the west coast and things you know that sort of stuff is playing into all of this this is all a factor you know you also have groups that we didn't talk about that are coming out of the woodwork like the black panthers that we didn't mention today um and, and these groups are sort of kind of infringing and sort of blending with all these other groups and that makes it very very hard to understand what's going on with these groups, that's why we try to, you know, not, um, we try to not be biased towards any of these groups, and we try to be as objective as possible and just call things like we see it, because it's so complex. It's kind, of, it's so hard to even pick one of these groups and say what do you stand for, right? So that's why we're trying. That's why we put this video out. You know, and as time goes on, we've got groups like the unaffiliated citizens who may decide to, you know, be anti-BLM, but also pro-back-the-blue and pro-boogaloo, but also have some kind of criminal element to it. You see how that kind of works? It's very, very complex. You know, the, the unaffiliated citizens can, are going to start to join these groups and are going to start to form these alliances and these um, ideologies, and that just makes that already complicated situation even more complicated, right? It makes a, 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 it definitely makes it more faction, factional and, and um, regional based, and it's just very complicated to, to talk about. And then that's not even mentioning the, the whole thing that's worth a whole other video, which are um, how these alliances affect one another between unaffiliated citizens. And then, but not even that, right? That's, that's not even the, the biggest concern. The big, another concern is all of the external actors. If you don't think for one minute that Russia and China are taking advantage of all of this, 
um, to sow discontent, right? As soon as there's anything that comes out that's anti-U.S. government, you know, if, whether it be from the Boogaloo Boys or from any, you know, for, from Antifa, or it doesn't matter. If there's an article written that comes out about how the U.S. government failed at this, how the U.S. government was wrong in this, the Chinese and the Russians immediately amplify that. So you might not, there, you know, we're of course no defenders of the atrocities of the federal government or even the state governments, but at the same time you've got to realize that a lot of times this stuff is inflated, it is, it is definitely altered, or, or a lot of times it is, you know, just outright false stuff that's being portrayed by China and Russia to weaken the United States because a weakened United States means that they can do whatever they want, as we're seeing with the Chinese aggression in the South China Sea, and also as we're seeing with the Russian aggression uh, in, you know, Ukraine a few years back, but now Belarus. And, you know, so there's that going on. You also have politicians, you know, the Republicans are going to take advantage of XYZ. The Democrats are going to take advantage of XYZ. It's election year. It's going to be a crazy year no matter what. So you add in all this election stuff on top of all of this, and it just becomes a ridiculous thing. You know, you also have private billionaires, you know, Bill Gates, George Soros, take your pick. You know, you've got private interest groups that are trying to, to put forward and and and, and uh, get through their own political ideology, their own power base, so it's very very complex situation, and that's why we're trying to urge people to understand that you know these groups are not necessarily your friend, even though they say they are. You know these these people, even the unaffiliated citizens, may not be your friend, even though they say they are. So this is something to keep in mind. You know, and you know, as we move forward, we have to remember that despite all of this, despite all of these complex relationships, the only person that is going to routinely get screwed by all of these other people are you, the individual unaffiliated citizen, right? That's the that's the bad part is that none of these groups are going to champion the unaffiliated normal person just trying to make a living and um, that's the unfortunate part and that's why we're here that's hopefully the S2 Underground Project can fulfill this thing can fulfill this and, and help you know just help people for the sake of helping people right so um, you know once again hopefully this was helpful and as we sort of move forward into our conclusion um, you know I just want to remind everybody that our intent here was not to inflame or incite or 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 say things that weren't um, necessarily true or anything like that um, we simply wrote this uh, we all got our heads together all of us took a took a topic and a slide and um, we all uh, put together uh, this product because we think that it's something worth talking about now in the future we'll probably have I, I can guarantee you we'll have a, a um, a sequel to this talking about some of the other groups because I guarantee you that before election day there's going to be other elements and other parts of society that come out and other groups that are formed uh, as a part of this and also moving forward after the election you know um, depending on how that goes we may have other fringe groups come out and 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 um, and, and do things that way so um, yeah, I, I just, you know, I hope this was helpful for everyone. Um, and just as another reminder before we close out that uh, we, we do have a website up. Um, we're trying to increasingly steer more traffic to our website, even though it's kind of an empty shell at the moment. Uh, we're, we're definitely going to put more and more stuff on there because we're, we obviously being the agency, you know, you know, that we are, we get targeted by a lot of social media, 
um, and a lot of other third-party places. So we're trying to have our own uh, space where we can say what we want without fear of retribution. So our website is probably going to be the place that we do that from now on. Um, but also we have our Teespring store if you wanted to support us. I just wanted to mention this because, you know, a lot of people ask. We get a lot of DMs every day about, you know, hey, how can I support you guys? Well, this is how you can support us. Go check out our stuff on Teespring. Um, uh, we're trying to work on a better option right now uh, for Teespring, but right now that's all we've got because we're trying to maintain as anonymous as possible. And the, the minute that we, you know, link our actual um uh, payment information and things to something like a patch vendor is when you know we get our real names out there so we don't want that we're trying to be as private as possible and Teespring allows that because you don't know who we are and we don't know who you are is buying and it goes through a private uh, third party so uh, yeah that's that's why we have that set up so hopefully once again this has been helpful and um, just make sure to check out all of our other stuff if you're listening to us on our podcast check out our youtube channel and if you're watching this youtube video check out the podcast i if you're listening to either one of these you will love the other i know people who don't necessarily like podcasts like youtube format which is why we spread to youtube um, but if you like our youtube videos you'll definitely love our podcast because we go a lot more in depth and things um so yeah um that's I think that's all we have for to now for now and um, we'll be back with more content soon. And as you guys always know, always remember to fight in the shade. So it's too actual out and we'll see you next time. <laughs>